from my house to yours, welcome to EMS and Sea Level. I am joined by my old friend Dave Evans, co-founder and CEO of Fictive. Dave, it's been a while. We spent a lot of time during COVID in that supply chain bunker together here on Zoom. Um, I, uh, well, it's great to great to have me back. I wish we could say we were out of the bunker, but maybe we're in a, another bunker now and uh you know in the the floor room behind your screen there behind you yeah, so absolutely. great to great to connect again yeah no it's been it's been a crazy time and you know i really wanted to explore where the supply chain has gone i've spoken to so many people over the last couple of years about what's been going on in the supply chain and the idea that we're at the tail end of a bullwhip effect and you know we're getting to that point of 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 normality but it mm-hmm. it feels like you know, we kind of started with a trade war. We got hit with the pandemic big style. Um, we've had the most recent component shortages that have really had a big impact. Now we've got economic disruption. And it feels like whatever disruption we plan for, there's one we didn't expect around the corner. Um, you've been kind of, you're a business that's kind of forged in the fire of disruption anyway. So yep. this is kind of how you guys roll. How do you how do you see it? And do you think there is a return to the normal we had before or a different yeah. normal? Or are we just sailing choppy seas from here on in? Uh, this is the uh, the age-old question that hasn't been stopped being asked, mm. I think, in the last three, three and a half years anyways. Um, you know, our point of view and lens on this is we – uh, you know, our job is obviously to simplify sourcing, but we really focus on the mechanical aspects of supply chain mm. uh, and really in the, the bookends of production. So in the, the NPD, new product development, as well as yeah. in kind of the aftermarket or MRO. And so from our point of view, it's really how do you help companies, uh, uh, you know, weather the storm, if you will, in this mm. uh, in this age. And, you know, I think you stated it well and so i'll respond back with we are definitely in a when is the next thing going to happen mode not if it's going to happen yeah um and so increasingly so you know i think that you start with trade wars you know china us then you have pandemics you know then we have shipping shortages chip shortages then we have you know massive war in europe you know now we we have the latest of banking failures happening here in the us and all of these things are causing major disruptions. Uh, and I think that for executives that are watching this, that have lived through this, every functions, fee level, boardroom is all saying, what's my plan B, C, and D for supply mm. chain to ensure that you are going to be able to book revenue or, or recognize that revenue to make and uh, hit customer demand and, mm. and that. And so I think that, I don't want to say it's a bumpy, you know, bumpy ride all the way home, but I think we're in a mode where every leader should be saying in this when moment, when's the next one going to happen? How robust are your systems? Are you really not just thinking about plan A, but you have, you know, multiple of simulations that you've run? Um, That's definitely shaped our business for how we Mm -hmm. run supply chains for companies. But I think our customers are demanding even more of companies like Fictive. For how we uh, we help digitize, we help you know add resiliency yeah. to their their systems. Yeah, and I think when when I look at the the whole digital transformation element of it, I think one of the key elements there is 
is having that visibility and, and being able to run simulations and different scenarios. And I think that's hugely important. Let's just unpack some of the impact of this, the, the the disruptions. And you, you mentioned the war in Europe. Um, I don't know, I've got a sense that people's view on globalization is changing a little bit at the moment. You've got the CHIPS Act and different things happening in Europe as well as as well as the US. So let's look at geop- geopolitics first. During the 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 journey of fictive geopolitics and the global supply chain has has had a big impact on where you're manufacturing things for your customers. Talk me through how that's changed over the last over the last two or three years. I know you've developed other locations during that time as well. Yeah, I mean, we are a you know classic Silicon Valley technology uh, company that's venture backed. You know, we raised mm. two hundred million dollars around this, and so we come from roots of technology in Silicon Valley. And our supply chain that we initially built up was actually initially just in the Bay Area. So in the Mm. San Francisco greater area, we moved to California and we expanded out across nationally across the U.S. Uh, We then expanded into China, which I think is the next natural place as you're running supply chains for your your company. Uh, And we've continued to add new locations, India being you know, our, our most recent and, and there's uh, several more that are coming on the, the heels of that in the, in the coming months here uh, that we'll be announcing. Um, and I think so if you look at this, we're in a state where I'll go back to those simulations where companies, you know, are looking at this triangle, speed, quality and price. And your mm-hmm. supply chains are making decisions based upon a prioritization in this, in this triangle here. Um, and so it's not a binary decision. It's not saying I'm going to go all in on Vietnam. I'm going to go all in on China. I think supply chains are more sophisticated than that now. Mm. And they are saying that I need a diversification strategy. And as I look across this triangle, speed, quality, price, what am I optimizing for at any given time? You know, just, you know, I think today I was reading in the news uh, that almost 7% of all devices for Apple are now made in India in the Mm. last fiscal year, 7%, you know, that's a massive company that was built on Foxconn, built on, designed in Cupertino, manufactured in China, you know, and that shift is starting to happen for even the largest volume producer of goods and in Apple with consumer consumer products. Um, You know, we saw these same things happen with big industrials like Honeywell, who's one of Mm. our, our customers where, they had a product that had a seven month lead time. It was this APU and auxiliary power unit. So this turns a plane's uh, power on and off the APU. And their classic lead time for this uh, with their supply chain they were running was seven months. Um, And the CEO at the time, Mike Madsen said, I can't wait seven months. My customers need a fix to this problem today. Mm. It can't be seven months. And so they came to Fictive and they said, hey, geopolitically, how can we do this? They were optimizing for speed in this case. And we ended up doing a domestic manufacturing solution for them that went from seven months down to five weeks. Mm. So we delivered the solution for that APU in five weeks, so just over a month. And so reduced all the shortage that they had or, or time to delivery. But I think in that case with Honeywell on this APU, they wanted to optimize for speed in this case. I think what you're getting at, Philip, is that there are cases where you want to optimize for mm. geopolitical risk or you're optimizing yeah. for price. 
Um, and that truly involves a globally minded supply chain. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, not everybody's looking around the corner on this on this vector today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting when you talk about talk about the triangle and the different elements and, you know, the bottom line is you you're optimizing for one, but you've got to take care of all three. So you've got to you've got to be aware of that. And I think to me, that's been really interesting in the last two years as we've shifted from maybe a just-in-time approach to more of a just-in-case approach and supply chain security has become more and more important when your customers come to you and they're looking at the you know the kind of the the geographical spread of their supply chain and your supply chain um, as a result what are what are they saying what are the what are the pressures are they are they taking a kind of a, an ally shoring, friend shoring approach? Are they taking a what's the right solution for my product approach? Are they yeah. saying we chase low cost labor for too long? We need to have shorter supply chains. What are the yeah. priorities or are they all of the above? Yeah, I think that we definitely see all the above. You know, more secular trends are there's obviously a lot of reshoring that's uh you know being focused on here in the United States. Mm. We've had the CHIPS Act, we had the IRA, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that are helping to push more chip manufacturing as well as uh, uh, domestic manufacturing in the United States. So we're definitely seeing a lot of desire in a U.S. geography of how we we push work back here to the U.S. But I think what's really important, especially for a lot of the the viewers listening to this, is your supply chain is complex. I have my my electrical mm-hmm. components, I have my wiring harnesses, I have my mechanicals. And at any given point, a $10 component, whether it's plastics, it's silicon, it's it's wherever, can be a line down situation. Um, and so I think that, you know, the more secular trend I would push towards is we are seeing more dual and triple source requests come in. Um, maybe that's because of our model that we run a distributed network. We don't own machines. We find factories that are idle, have extra capacity. And so we've built a system where redundancy is built in for the business model. That's what the technology is really good at. But I think that the secular trend we've seen is that folks are really trying to add redundancy to any of those priorities that you talked about, whether it's a geopolitical redundancy, whether it's a, a quality or a shortage, you know, how, you know, how much do I have, whether I'm moving off a JIT just in time to a more inventory-based strategy. As I shift to say that inventory-based strategy, I actually want to be feeding it with a dual or triple source if I can optimize for cost there. Um, and these are definitely trends we see across transportation, across uh, uh, medical, across consumer. So it's not even industry specific. We're mm. seeing it uh, more more securely as the the time and now. Yeah, and I you know I think I think that's really really relevant in terms of that it is that it is cross industry. We, you know, I think we look in the past at, at kind of high reliability industries, industries that are more focused on price and perhaps more um, more consumer driven, but they all mm-hmm. have the same um, the same demand for that much more digitally transformed um, supply chain that gives them the not just agility. Um, but actually, actually makes them more more robust than they they have been in the past. Talk me through 
you know, it's been it's been a little while before we t- um, since we've touched base. Talk me through some of the technical developments within within Fictive and 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 how the platforms um, developed, for example, in the last in the last twelve months, and how your realization that we're in a permanently disrupted supply chain has has impacted that that product lifecycle. Yeah, I think the first wave of technology that we really brought to market was to digitize a lot of the processes which were manual or or offline today. So look at a quotation process that primarily was done over email and just getting a price took weeks, you know, and now you can get a price, you know, within seconds, minutes at at Fictive. Um, We then did the same thing in DFM, so design for manufacturing. We went from an offline process in PowerPoints to really digitizing and being able to see all this information at your fingertips. Um, After that, we really, you know, we saw a lot of need for visibility. So really shining a light on this. And we launched what we call our transparency product that really helps people. We kind of call it the Domino's Pizza Tracker, but it allows people to see where's your product. You know, mm-hmm. in the production stages, you can see photos, quality information before it ever ships. That was a really important thing to be, give visibility. And so in the last couple of years, you know, that brings us maybe to a pandemic era. We saw folks wanting to do two things that I would say are big changes for us. One is they wanted more simulations done because they mm-hmm. were looking to see if I built here, what's my price and lead time? Or if I built here, what's my price and lead time? Or if I took off, you know, this type of post-processing or this finishing, okay, well, what does that do to my price and lead time? So our customers were using our tool almost to build out scenarios for them. Mm. And so we invested in a lot of technology that helps them optimize for, say, lead time or optimize for cost. We call this uh, LTO, lead time optimizer. Um, mm-hmm. You can think about this if you wanted to fly to, say, Europe. Uh, You can go to Kayak or Expedia or Google, and you can start playing around with all these scenarios. I fly United, I fly Delta, I fly Air Australia, you know, whatever it might be. And you can see these permutations. So we've built out a lot of work to see better visibility at your fingertips on the simulations. And I think Hmm. that's a big trend in this. The second trend is we launched our, what we call our premium product. Um, which allows people to go from a single user that's doing these simulations to multiple stakeholders on the same platform, seeing the same information. And so I think the first wave of technology was take offline processes and digitize them. Yeah. But that's at a single user that I, a single user is emailing. Now a single user can do that. And the next wave we saw is companies adopted more and more technology more stakeholders started coming in the game. I have quality, I got logistics, I have procurement, I have engineering. And so it wasn't enough just to have a single person or single user actually interacting with the digital information. We saw that digital information get taken offline, meetings happen, goes back into the digital tool. So we built and launched what we call our premium product, which allows teams to interact with these simulations Um, And so rather than running your stand-up, your scrum meeting, your status meeting in an offline way, teams are pulling up Fictive.com in their stand-up meetings and their status meetings and say, look, this build number, it's in production, it's on time. This one has a 
manufacturing question around a tolerance. We need to resolve it. This one is shipping. It's clearing customs today. And the quality information matches everything that I need. It'll arrive on Friday. So now you have these teams that are running really this agility-based system on the technology versus single users. I think this is a classic case of teams demanding more yeah. out of the, the you know, you kind of uh, give a moose a muffin and want a glass of milk uh, is what my daughter would say. And so we're having to continuously feed, you know, feed our customers with better tools to run their business. Yeah, I think that that's critical. It's curious, pre-pandemic, everybody was talking about digital transformation and how it would give us this glass factory where we could see into the factory and we could see exactly what's happening. Since we've been in the depths of the pandemic and the component shortages post-pandemic, that discussion has completely gone and the discussion has been entirely about a glass pipeline, about this idea of having the visibility up and down mm. the supply chain. It's almost like when I look at the, particularly the electronic manufacturing services industry, they don't care how it's made because that's not what's stopping them get stuff out of the door. What's stopping them get stuff out of the door is issues in the supply chain and blockage in the supply chain of one part might mean I can't ship a $50,000 car or a $200,000 robot or 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 something of that of that nature. So it becomes it becomes more critical. What it also means in terms of those scenarios is it's having a huge impact on on business because there's a huge amount of cash tied up in inventory that shouldn't be. Um, so when I look at it as an enterprise point of view, as you say, you've got those teams coming together. That includes everybody from the people managing yeah. inventory and finance and all those. It's a very, it needs to be a very holistic, very data-driven tool. Yes. And I think I love your glass factory to glass pipeline. It's like, okay, Grace, your factory is glass and I can see all the issues now, but what, how do you resolve those issues? I think mm -hmm. it's, you know, the first wave of the digital transformation was visibility or, or digitizing it. Data. And the second wave is now like, okay, I got the data. How am I going to action that? And every mm -hmm. C-level that's, you know, watching this is saying, okay, great. You know, data without action is, okay, you've told me there's a problem, but I'm still stuck here with millions of dollars on the line. And so, um, you know, I think that that's probably the next secular trend we'll see uh, is, okay, you give me visibility to my factory in Mexico and the supply chain. Where's my raw materials coming from? What if I change mm -hmm. this cost component? If I swapped out this component, what does that do to my bomb? You know, I think it's really these simulations that, that companies are looking for. Yeah, and I think what's exciting there is you can actually tag the the whole ESG element in there as well. And when you start to really trace a supply chain, you can really see where not just the risks are in that supply chain in terms of the supply chain failing itself, but the risks in that supply chain in exposing a, a business to, you know, to to bad actors or to, you know, risky we, ethical procedures in that supply chain. That becomes absolutely critical. Yeah, we've run our state of manufacturing report for, I think we're on our eighth year now. It's an annual survey that's, you know, all around what's going on, kind of state of the union. And sustainability, you know, has just been up and to the right as like a, a demand. So even though these are technical buyers, it's a B2B environment, you're seeing more and more executives have pressure, but not just pressure from corporate. It's actually the social, almost consumer behavior that they mm -hmm. want to drive 
some element of ESG within their supply chain. And they're kind of like, what do I do here? And so I think, you know, we do uh, carbon credits and people can can help offset the carbons they're doing when they're shipping. And we've added, you know, a lot of sustainability elements. I think there's a lot more to do or that we'd love to. And then most of that's being driven by our customers. And it's yeah. probably another big trend that folks want to know what's the social responsibility of this factory we're working for? What's the sustainability elements or the environmental impact? You know, how is this going to dictate governance or or these things? So it definitely ties all into what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're very important elements. And again, it's that it's that visibility and that data up and down the supply chain that, that will allow us to properly measure that. And I think socially minded consumers care about that and that's being pushed through through um you know through the through the supply chain last question as we wrap up dave just give me just give me your overview on what you see happening in the supply chain in the next 12 months and and maybe maybe what's going to be happening at fictive in that same time frame yeah i would say uh uh, while we're seeing all this glo- uh, all this reshoring actually happening companies wanted to be produced here what i predict and what I would, you know, push to all of your your viewers and listeners is there will be a rebound here. Folks might want to be coming back in and reshoring, but globalization is not going away, and you need the resiliency. If we're in a when moment, not an if moment, after you reshore, if that becomes your strategy, at some point you're going to break wherever you reshored that to, and you're going to be looking back out into different areas to drive speed quality price in your triangle. And so mm. ensuring, you know, you have a plan B, C, D in this and that you aren't just reshoring because it's the popular reason, but you're optimizing for one of those, you know, elements in the triangle and that you have backup plans. I think that's what's going to be critical in the next 12 months. Uh, the other thing is, you know, at least in the U.S. markets, there's a lot of turmoil from a financial standpoint. And so I'd say in the next 12 months, as you look at supply chain, uh, what do you have in inventory? What is your, you know, interest rates are raising? So what's your cash outlay or consumption mm-hmm. based upon this? We'll continue to see more pressure on the financial aspect of supply chain in the next 12 months and how you are building strategies to optimize for cash flow, uh, mm-hmm. maybe more so than in a low interest rate environment. So as we move to a higher interest rate environment, pressures on price, you know, one of that, that part of the triangle yeah. price more around cash consumption, you know, cash cycles, uh, uh, this will become, uh, increasingly, uh, important term during any negotiations to understand manufacturers don't want to be banks. They don't want to carry the risk of their customers anymore. Mm-hmm. And in low interest rates, that might've been true. I predict that this will be, uh, a, a, a point of hot, uh, hot topic in the the yeah. coming quarters ahead in the environment that we're seeing today. Yeah, I know. I absolutely agree. I think what's really interesting, you talk about plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. I think what you have to add on onto having those planned scenarios is the speed to switch. And I think one of the things uh, business models like Fictive offer is that speed to switch. You're not just showing the potential of that scenario. You're saying, you know, we've done the um, the DFM on the fly. Yep. We know yep. which factors this can go in, and we have that speed to switch when you need it. And I think that's, um, you know, that's an yeah. absolutely critical part of the business model. And you know, there's no point in having a glass 
glass pipeline, if you look in the pipeline and there's a blockage and you can't fix it, you need to be yeah. able to divert and do something else. Yeah, um, well, so fit, fit, fictive, fictive was built to help unlock the creative potential of all people. We want to help get to Mars, build surgical robots, you know, mm. uh, help build the EVs, help build the energy system of the, the future. And so I think if we are going to have our part in unlocking creativity and people, we need to help give tools to make help them make decisions in that glass pipeline. Uh, yep. And that can be financial, that can be quality, that can be geopolitical. That's our role. And so we are a technology company built from the ground up to be digital. And we'd love to, I think, help uh, any companies along their journey to to see this as well. So yeah. appreciate the time here today. And, yeah. uh, you know, would love to follow up with anybody that's listening and to help uh, help see how we can help you you all create. Yeah, no, I think it's. I, I think that's a really, a really important point. And sometimes, Dave, we both we we spend our time down in the minutiae, worrying about the supply chain. It's nice to look up and look at the awesome products that are being created using, um, using this technology and in the uh, in the manufacturing industry. Great to talk to you, my friend. Look forward to chatting again soon, and and all the best going forward. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Great.